Hi, this is your host, Kirsten. And um, today uh, we are introducing um, the podcast, I guess, really. This is the first one. Um, and this is my attempt to talk about um, a lot of the things that go unspoken um, that women experience. Um, and I'm not entirely sure other than people get a little weird when they're talking about the vagina. Um, you know, if you had a broken arm or you had a rash, um, that wouldn't go away on your leg or, uh, just had, you know, chronic discomforts anywhere else in your body. Um, you would just talk about it and women don't talk about their pain, um, their physical pain as it relates to their, um, their sex organs. And I, I feel like that's just, you know, that's a stigma left over from, you know, whatever, American just being you know Puritan history of America but um it's really damaging and it's something that um as I've gone through my own journey I have discovered that all it takes is just opening your mouth and talking about what you're experiencing to find so many people um that are having the same problems and that's that's really been what the driver behind my decision to do this, um, because I, I'm 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 just amazed how often um, when I mention this to someone, I went to you know anyone at work or um, just friends or even acquaintances because I've gotten that comfortable with it at this point. Um, how many people are experiencing the same thing and? It really started for me um, talking to my mom, which is such a simple act. You know, a lot of women will talk to their mothers about things that they wouldn't normally discuss. And it just blew me away that she had been having these problems um, for a long time and never said anything to me about it. And then I thought about how long I had gone um, without saying anything. And, you know, I, I don't know why we do that. Um and it's got to, it's just, it's something that has got to stop um, occurring. We've got to start sharing um, what we're experiencing because in doing so, we help other people who are struggling and searching. And I know myself, my own journey has been, you know, it's been two years for me. And I, I feel like you say that almost as like, you know, how like people talk about recovering from addiction or whatever. Um, it, it's, Every forum I've ever looked on, you know, you're talking about people who have been struggling with this for years. Um, I think the longest one I had seen is six, six years. And in all of the medical journal articles that I've read, they talk about how, you know, diagnoses, you know, generally take about two years for, for women to, to have sort of any recognition by the medical community that something is amiss, you know. And so it's by us talking to one another that's going to bring this to the forefront and help help change um, what's happening. And um, I, I guess I'll just begin, you know, at the beginning, I'll just start quickly with my own um, experience with vaginal discomfort and vaginal itching and, um, swelling. Um, I went, and again, my personal experience is going to be different than a lot of you. And I know that many, you know, there's so many 
ideas floating around about what could be happening to us. But um, I think when we start talking, you can start connecting the dots. And I love puzzles. And I feel like this is if we can get enough people to discuss this and see sort of similarities in our stories that we might have a better chance of of stopping this altogether. Um, but anyway, uh, so it was August of 2019 for me. And um, I uh, was starting back to work. I'm a teacher. And so it's usually really stressful time. And um, I got what I thought was a yeast infection. And um, I figured it was brought on by the fact that, you know, it's hot and I'm in a classroom with 30 some odd kids. And um, maybe I didn't wear pants that were breathable enough, you know, you go through all the things. Oh, well, it could have been this, could have been this, which is is just mind-numbing after a while. It's exhausting. Um, so I treated myself for what I thought was a yeast infection with something over-the-counter, which is pretty standard. I think most women, you know, you know. And, of course, it's pretty typical that any time you have vaginal itching, you just assume it's got to be a yeast infection. So I, I did that, and um, it seemed to clear up, and then... It was like the next month and it came back and I was like, okay, I guess I didn't knock it out last time. Maybe, you know, I should use the seven day (laughs) monostat instead of the three or whatever. So I did it again and, um, seemed to clear up and I thought, okay, I got it this time. Um, cut down on sugar, you know, the kind of standard thing for yeast infections and, um, caffeine, that sort of thing. And next month it came back. And at that point, you know, I'm into October and I'm like, this is just not right. So I I went to the local clinic here and they did tests and um, it wasn't a yeast infection. In fact, everything seemed normal and um, which was crazy to me because um, the, the swelling was starting to get to the point where it was difficult to walk normally. Um, The pain was so bad and Um, but I had to concur. I mean, there was no cottage cheese discharge, you know, like they say, and I I couldn't understand why I was having these symptoms, but there was nothing there to explain it, you know, in, especially in Western, the Western world, you like, do you think there's something, there's a pathology there? Like it's, there's something that's causing this. And, um, no, so I, asked to, you know, have a a diflucan or whatever, just in case. And, um, I thought maybe, and at that point they had already tested me for BV trick. Um, they had done a pap smear. Um, I mean, there were several tests, you know, to rule out all the STDs. And of course my my tests were normal, which has become like my little, I don't know, (laughs) tagline or whatever. Your tests are normal. Like the hell they are. But, um, so, I finally decided, you know what, maybe it's just these, it's a clinic and they just don't have the tests necessary. So I go to UK, which is our kind of large hospital in the region. And um, they, of course, do the same tests, uh, PAP, and then they um, run everything. And they're like, no, you're fine. And um, the symptoms got progressively worse to where they kind of they would tone down, but they never really went away. And at that point, I was really living off of Diflucan. And honestly, I hate to think um, how much Diflucan I've ingested <laughs> over 
the two, it's almost two years. Um, just because I, you know, I guess I just kept thinking it's got to be a candida overgrowth. It has to be, it has to be. And, um, finally, um, they did my, it was the clinic actually here, which is crazy. Um, cause I was thinking that they, you know, whatever, they just don't know what they're doing. Honestly, it's kind of what I thought, but, um, they did a test for E. coli and, um, it was positive, which really blew my mind because, you know, how the hell did E. coli get there? Um, and of course they're like, oh, well, you know, your rectum, that's common. Um, and I was like, well, I, I guess I understand that, but you know, I, I know how to wipe. I was taught correctly and I don't have anal sex. So the presence of E. coli in my vagina is pretty strange. And so, um, they gave me a cephalaxin, which made my entire vagina burn alive. Like you might as well just, you might've, I should have just sat on fire. That's the extent of that one. It was awful. Um, I quickly said, nope. And I had been at that point, I had been reading a lot and I was under the impression, like I was about 99.9% sure that I had, anaerobic vaginitis and which you know the symptoms at the time it it did seem like that but it can be treated um with cipro and so I asked them for cipro and she gave me the cipro which if any of you have ever taken cipro you know the side effects of that drug are pretty intense and I, you know, I knew that going into it. Um, I had had a friend who, whose joints, I mean, honestly, he could not walk, um, for a month after Cipro. And, um, I was just so desperate at that point. I just didn't care. And I took it and I could hardly walk anyways. You know, it didn't make much difference. Um, and it went away and I thought, oh my God, like smoking gun, here we go. Like, it was the E. coli. I don't know how I got E. coli, but like, whatever. I'm great. You know, let's, let's go live my life again. That was weird, you know? And I did. I lived my life up until December of 2020. And then guess who shows up? But my lovely little friend, the angry itch. And I just thought, you know, God, no, this, this cannot be happening this I've done everything right I have you know I've changed my diet I have been careful about wearing loose fitting clothing I mean it was it was just unreal um and of course really threw me into a a lot of emotional and that's something I think the component that people don't talk about enough is the emotional aspect and how this is utterly destroys um part of your identity it takes your sexuality away um because your vagina no longer feels like a part of you it feels like something that you're battling against and it's um it it really destroyed um my sexual identity and to this to this day I don't think I don't know how one really regains that um because of the the trauma of constantly being afraid that you're going to have, you know, um, 
I don't know the term, I guess you could like a flare up or whatever that you're going to have the vaginal discomfort again. And, um, so I went full force on that one. I started to see every single doctor that I thought could possibly uh, like shed some light onto what was happening because my test continuously came back normal. Um, nothing was wrong. Nothing's wrong, you know? And like, even though uh, my favorite was, um, transitioning flora, that was what, that was what was on the test. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? Or like, well, it could be, it could be changing into a problem. And I'm like, could be changing. I, I can't, I can hardly sit for periods of time without the itch getting so bad. Like how in the world is that transitioning like that that's done did y'all <laughs> you know that's how I felt about it and um so I I ended up um after a series of doctors and honestly many of you who are experiencing you know what I'm talking about we're talking four and five doctors different I mean I went all the way to Tennessee um trying to find what I thought would be a better set of doctors and that was the one with the transitioning flora by the way and finally um after having to go home early from work, I called Cleveland Clinic and made an appointment with them because I thought, my God, if they can't figure out what's wrong with me, then no one, no one can. And um, so I made the hike all the way to Cleveland Clinic, and it's a hell of a drive for me. But um, when I got there, I saw a gynecologist, and she was going, and I, I was like prepared. <laughs> I took all of my medical records. I took all of the medications that have been prescribed to me over the years. And I just laid it out. And I was like, you, you know, there's something wrong, but no one can find it. And i you know, she was a specialist with vaginitis. And she just said, you know, you're a good historian. That was her word. Um, but basically, you know, I knew my stuff. I had a timeline. I recognized cycles and patterns. And I explained to her that all of this seemed to happen with the luteal phase that I had narrowed it down to roughly 11 days before my period every single month. Um, it showed up 11 days before my period and that the three days before my period, it was unbearable. And then as soon as I started to bleed, it went away. And she said, this is not, you know, a vaginal problem. This is a systemic problem and I'm going to send you to functional medicine which is where I'm at now. And um, in that process, having, you know, them, they did several tests on me, several of which are still actually pending. And that's stuff I hope to discuss in the future on the podcast, kind of what they find to help you all out there who might um, need to ask for these tests. Um, they did a blood test um, and really have tested just about every, like stuff that I didn't even know existed in the body, um, like sex hormone binding <laughs> or sex binding hormone. I mean, crazy stuff that I didn't know existed, testosterone, estrogen, um, omega fatty acids, um, magnesium, you know, lead, iron, everything. And then they've also ordered um, a stool test and what's called a Dutch test. And of course, the stool test and the Dutch test, uh, which your Dutch test is going to cover the subtleties of your hormones. Um, it's, it's more, it's, uh, 
it's more detailed than what you would find in typical hormone tests. And, um, anyway, um, with, with those tests, the, those, they're not covered by the insurance, (laughs) which they're not bad. It's like $398, I think a piece. Um, but when you've been suffering for years, you know, Hey, what, what's $400? Um, I've spent that on, you know, uh, supplements, (laughs) like literally $400 on supplements, I'm trying to address these issues. So, um, anyway, um, I haven't heard back from this test, but, um, what I have seen coming through seems to indicate that, um, it very well could be, uh, systemic and that it's something referred to as vulvodynia. And I'm going to spell that for you. It's V-U-L-V-O-D-Y-N-I-A. 